Hello and welcome to Gathering Church Podcast. My name is David and in front of me is Pastor Dave. Last week we started a conversation about the day of Pentecost. This previous Sunday Dave has expanded on this topic and explained to us the meaning of the feast called Shavuot and how it fits into the narrative of Pentecost. Today we want to dive a bit deeper and discover what else there is to know about this topic. How are you doing, Pastor Dave? Right, man, I'm doing fantastic because you and I are sitting under a roof and it is raining outside at the moment. It's a storm is brewing up That's outside right. of here. So if you y'all hear some thunderstorms... That's right. If you hear some Tuesday thunder, you know what's going on. Yep. And, it's uh, crazy in Texas. There's so many storms right now. <laughs> yes. it's Usually it's April shower brings May flowers, but... Uh, Right now, it's May showers brings humidity or something, man. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So, so yes, Shavuot. Shavuot. What a, what a neat message God gave us this past Sunday. And, yes. And uh, some, you know, it, it's just thing, things that I had not, you know, of course, I'm slow to learn things at times, but, you know, I, I, I said this Sunday, you know, I grew up, uh, the, the denominational flavor that I grew up in was uh, the Pentecostal movement. And uh, so we, you know, we had a lot of focus on the experience that took place mm-hmm. on Pentecost. And, and we even, you know, you would even hear people say that, you mm-hmm. know, you know uh, Pentecost is not a religion. It's an experience. And, and which, yes, I understand that. And, and, you know, there's truth in that. But but I had, you know, up until just these last several weeks, I've, this is really the first time I've done a deep dive into uh, the history of Pentecost and what it actually means for for believers, uh, and how it ties directly into Old Testament uh, traditions and festivals, and uh, you know uh, um, that culture, the the Jewish culture. So that's, I have to say that's for me the same. I also grew up Pentecostal, and like all of these things that you've been sharing with us is so new, but like so rich and so good. It's it's really good, and I have to say. While, while I've been preparing some questions, and Becca has been preparing some questions as well, um, we were we were trying to think of some questions, and I, I just want to say you've done such a good and th- <laughs> thorough job during the preach because we keep writing questions down. It's like two two minutes later, you answer them straight away. Uh, it's oh, like, you. okay, can cross it out. That's not a question for the Tuesday anymore. <laughs> but um, so that got us actually thinking, and before we go into Shawood, how do you do your studies? When you prepare your Sunday service, is how do you find these things? Uh, I, you know, it's different with every every uh, series or every message. Usually, first it starts out with uh, a lot of prayer and just mm-hmm. feeling that the Lord says, "Hey, we're going to talk about this." Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes He gives it to me, like like with this uh, study on Pentecost. It was back in February uh, when I was really starting to prepare for the resurrection, uh, you know, resurrection Sunday, and the whole Easter season. And, and knew that we were going to be doing a lot of meditative thoughts on the resurrection. You know, he already let me know, uh, hey, there, you're, you're going to take three weeks and talk about Pentecost leading up to May 23rd. And, uh, oh, okay, well, great. You know, uh, then again, there's sometimes that, you know, he doesn't tell me what I'm going to be preaching until like just a couple of days before. I've even had it like the night before he finally says, oh, good. Hey, by the way, you're preaching this. But <laughs> So it starts out with that. Uh, some of the methodologies I'll use is... Uh, of course, I'll you know just just some of the the basic concepts of you you read a passage and you go okay that's interesting and and so you explore the context of the passage what was going on when this passage was written what was taking place in the world what was the culture 
why was this passage written? You know, how was it, you know, what, what need or what issue was being addressed? You know, all those type of questions. It's almost like doing investigative work mm-hmm. you know, and you dive in uh, to that. And then you start getting into, uh, you know, connecting dots with other scriptures. You start finding references of, oh, hey, this ties back into this or this ties back into that. Um, you know, with the onset of the Internet, I love, you know, I'll, I'll go out on sometimes uh, Google and YouTube just to see if any other teachers have talked about the subject, mm. you know. Uh, you know, not not necessarily to steal their you know steal their sermons or anything like that. Of course, you know, there's I, I'm not cre- I'm not creative enough to have preached a sermon that somebody else has never preached before. You know, <laughs> so uh, you know, but but then um, uh, you know, but sometimes just hearing other people teach on it, or you know, with with Pentecost, what the Lord actually had me do was uh, go back and hear. How the how rabbis how how mm. Jewish rabbis have taught it, and what they have to say about it, and even though they're coming from it from a total, uh, totally Jewish standpoint as opposed to uh, our uh, Christian standpoint, uh, it it did it, it that's what really lent itself for me to be able to connect the dots between yeah. Mount Sinai and Shavuot, and and you know tie it into the experience of the upper room do you have any specific like tools or like uh, websites where you go where you know you find certain like if you try to do your investigative work with like oh what was happening then that culture like at that time where, where do you where would you look for that uh a, a big a big part of that is going to be you know i use bible gateway quite a bit I, i love love it and it's it's even got some study tools on it um, but you know, what's funny, my, my, my biggest Bible college teacher right now is Google, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, man, it's, it's now, you know, you do have, you do wind up running into some stuff where, you know, you know, let's face it yeah. within Christianity, you get a lot of different flavor mm-hmm. of teachings and you just have to kind of weed through it and you learn over time to kind of skim something and go, oh, okay, yeah, no, no, I, I, that's not the direction I want to go with this. But, and, and all along, you're just kind of allowing the Holy Spirit to prod you. And, and so sometimes, you know, as I'm reading the Holy Spirit's like, go here, click here, do this. Uh, sometimes I, I may get a direct name that the Holy Spirit kind of puts in my heart. And I'm like, who, who in the world is that? And then I'll Google huh. them. And sure enough, it's an author or a teacher that is explaining something uh, that, that just shines more light on whatever subject I'm preparing. So, um, so it, it, it's, there, there's the practical tools that I use uh, and practical methodologies I use to explore the word of God. And then there's, it, it dives into very spiritual, you know, with mm. uh, direct uh, influence from the Holy spirit at times. So, That's awesome. and those, those are things that you just kind of develop as you grow, you know, so. And for the for the listener, like if they wanted to like dive a tiny bit deeper, what's like the number one thing that you would try to like give them as an advice if they wanted to dive deeper and try to figure some stuff out? Uh, I I would say start with uh, BibleGateway.com. Yeah. Uh, now there's tons of different Bible, or you can even use the Bible app on your on your mm-hmm. phone. Uh, I mean, there's just so many technologies, so wonderful, and given us so many different tools. Uh, I love BibleGateway.com. Uh, you can you can pull up comparisons. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'll read. I read multiple translations. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for the sake of study. Um, you know, because I, I want I want to understand different people's takes and interpretations of a certain passage. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, at that point, uh, uh, Google. <laughs> you yeah. Know, if you really want to kind of get simple, 
you know, uh, Google it. And, and if they're super new at studying the Word of God, uh, start with a translation that kind of makes it easy mm-hmm. uh, to understand, whether it's the Passion Translation or the Message. Um, and then from there, you know, if something jumps out at you, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, for instance, if, if the, you know, you're like, sanctification, what does that mean? Well, mm-hmm. hey, go Google it, you yeah. know, find out what it means, and then ask God, hey, how do I apply this? Yeah. You know, and then you, you, whether it's just simple a simple Google search of, you know, scriptures about sanctification, well, you know, all of a sudden you'll get, you'll find a website that says mm-hmm. 35 scriptures about sanctification. Yeah. And, yeah, you just start reading, and, and and sooner or later, one of the scriptures are going to jump off the page yeah. at you and, and really hit you. Yeah, you know. So, I feel like something that helped me a lot, um, and that I would uh, give as an advice is learn to ask good questions. Yes, and lots of questions. Like if you read a Bible passage, so often we just read over. It's like, hmm, okay. But if we le- learn to actually take it apart, like really. Be, be, beat it down be yeah, like yeah. ask every single possible question about this Bible passage suddenly you find so much richness and deepness in there that's that the thing is, is you, before. If, if you can kind of go into your study time and by study time I don't mean just a, a, a devotional time maybe it, you know devotionals are wonderful mm-hmm. you know starting your day out reading a verse and maybe a, you know, a passage or whatever that's all wonderful and good and, and helps to start your day focused on the word of God but at some point, you need to grow to a point where you do kind of do some deep dives into the word, whether it's by yourself or with a group, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which, you know, like our, our men's and women's Bible study that we, we have for uh, Gathering Church. And we, we're looking at maybe starting two more, you know, before the end of the year. You know, th- that's always also helpful as well. But but sometimes at some point, you, you've got to get some time alone. Mm-hmm. just to dive into the word of God and you, you approach it like a detective, yeah. you know, where, uh, and, and sometimes you, it's okay to question it and say, well, okay, what exactly does that mean? And does it really mean what I think it means here or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and leave, leave all of the things that you thought that you knew at yes. the gates. Yes. Because it's so easy to read your own worldview into this, which I think with you looking into what other rabbis teach is yes. actually really key because Jesus was a Jew. Yes. And yeah. he had a completely different worldview than we had. Yes. And actually p- approaching it from a perspective of, I don't know anything, let me figure it out. I could I could preach several ser- sermons on Pentecost based on my denominational background and, and the Western charismatic Pentecostal movement mm-hmm. uh, that I grew up in. And and I'm not dissing that. I, I praise God for some of the things that I learned. Um, but, you know, that's, I, I'm not satisfied with that. Mm. You know, I, I want to know more, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to lead and guide you into all truth. Well, yeah. praise God for what truth I have experienced. I also experienced quite a bit of fallacy you know, mm. and, and misinterpretations. Yeah. And, and so I wanted to get past, uh, for us, and, and I'm sure you, you, you know, you growing up within the Pentecostal movement over in Germany, you know, you probably experienced this. You know, if, if we preached about Pentecost, man, it was just something to get excited about and the Holy Spirit moved and mm-hmm. look, folks were speaking in tongues and, you know, uh, yeah. the, the sermon was a lot about the, uh, you know, as we used to say when we were kids, we'd, you know, shake them all shy, pass them on by or, or, you know. <laughs> Uh, we'd all we'd always say, "What did the Pentecostal preacher say when he bought a a motorcycle?" He said, uh, 
should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Suzuki or, you know, <laughs> so, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and, and yes, I, while, yes, I do believe in the gift of tongues and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that down mm-hmm. the road yeah. as we study about the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks. You know, it, it's funny. Paul calls that the, the lesser, you know, pray, he said, pray yes. for the greater gifts. You know, you guys are like prophecy. Yeah. yeah. He said, you, you think that you're, you're so holy and spiritual because you're, you're speaking in tongues. And he said, man, I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. He said, but pray for the greater gifts, mm. you know, and, and, uh, the things that edify the church and not just, just yes, yourself. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, I, I want it to get past the normal, you know, Pentecostal view of the day of Pentecost. Yeah. And, and, uh, so the Lord really opened the door and, and man, it, it's just really expanded my, my understanding, mm. uh, so much more so. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else has been getting anything out of the last two weeks, but man, I have. You know, so, oh, there's so. so much new perspective for me as well. I find it really interesting. Um, in the beginning of your sermon, you talked about um, that sometimes God moves like super quick, like through the Holy Spirit, and you've yes. seen you've seen in your life moments where God like super quickly did certain things. I wanted to ask, like, what are some of these things that you where you've seen miracles or God speaking? And how did you know ultimately that it was God in these moments that it, where you, God it was working? You know, there are those times. It's, it's funny because sometimes God takes us through a process, you know, whether it's for healing or mm-hmm. deliverance or or growth or whatever. You know, you'll see God uh, take you through a process. But then, yeah, like like I said, there are there are times that I've seen the Holy Spirit just instantly deliver. And I, yeah, I think that was in referencing uh, when when the Lord decided, hey, it's time to to get the the children of Israel out of Egypt. Yeah. And, and you know, with Passover, he said, Hey, do, you, know, you eat the Passover fully clothed with your sandals on. Cause you, you know, we're getting out of here. It's going to be a jailbreak. You know, mm-hmm. We're getting out of here. And, and I've seen that. Uh, I've seen my first youth pastor, uh, which I don't know. He may be listening at one, uh, Brad Allen. If you're listening, I sure love you. Um, he, he was the first youth pastor I ever had. Well, when I first met him, uh, he, he was, of course, this was back in the eighties. Uh, he had been playing in uh, 80s hair bands. So he had like big teased hair and earrings and, uh, you know, spikes and all that stuff he's wearing and, uh, nice. you know, mascara, all that stuff. And it was, uh, you know, this this heavy metal hair band guy, glam band. Uh, and, awesome. and and he was uh, a cocaine addict oh. and um, was uh, actually about to, to head to Michigan to join a band. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he was so hungry for the Lord. He had spent about a week or, or, or you know, a couple of weeks with his grandmother uh, before you know he was in between bands. And he, was, he was playing professionally, and he was on his way to the airport with his uncle. And he said, "You know what? Turn the car around. I got to find out if this Jesus thing is real." Wow! And uh, I was in service that night. Uh, he showed up to church, and uh, you know, of course, back then folks tried to look a little bit more quote appropriate or whatever for church and here you know so of course he's sticking out like a sore thumb back in the day you know uh, of course nowadays nobody think anything about it but yeah he comes in and you know at the end of service uh, i just remember my pastor giving an, an, an altar call if anyone needed prayer and needed to receive jesus and uh he came down that night and just laid himself out at the altar and just began to call on the name of the lord and just wept wow. beautiful tears of repentance and and god filled him with the holy spirit that night and uh, he went home. From that day forward, he never touched cocaine again. Wow. It was an instant deliverance, you know. Mm. 
but yet I've seen people that have walked, had to walk that deliverance mm-hmm. out, you know, and, and there's a different purpose, I guess, you know, that God has for, for everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, Sophia, was born with no hip sockets and uh, God instantly healed her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we prayed. Wow. Uh, she was in a brace for seven weeks. She was supposed to be in a brace for a year and then they were going to do surgery. And then she would be in a body cast for about six months. And at seven weeks old, I got tired of having to hold my baby in this Velcro brace. And uh, uh, so I you know, had my pastor. We, we joined together in prayer and prayed the prayer of faith. And it was just one of those times you could feel it almost static in the air. And we looked at each other and both of us said, this child's healed. And the very next day, we had an appointment for her to get sonograms. Once a week, we would take her in. Uh, or once every other week, we'd take her in and they'd do sonograms on her hip and uh, the, the, uh, so that they could adjust the brace accordingly. And um, you know, the doctor looked at the photos of the sonogram and asked the nurse, why are we seeing this child? And, and she said, well, that's Sophia Butler. And man, the doctor came running in looking at us like he'd seen a ghost. Wow. And he said, the, these are the pictures of your daughter's hips. And I, of course, I couldn't make heads or tail <laughs> of them. They're sonograms. But... Uh, <laughs> And and he said, she has hip sockets and she already has muscles and tendons formed holding wow. her legs. And he said, if if I hadn't have known anything, I thought I would think that this was a perfectly healthy daughter. Wow. And um, he asked us to bring her in, like, leave her in the brace two more weeks, bring her in. And so we did. And uh, at that point, he took it off. He says, don't ever put this brace back on. Wow. And so how long was she t- total in the brace then? Uh, a total of nine weeks. Nine weeks. Uh, two was... of two of well, seven weeks. It was legit. Two of them was just the doctor wanting to make sure. Okay. So yeah, and then, but, and then she was supposed to be in for six months. So she was supposed to be in the brace for twelve months. Twelve months, and then and surgery, surgery, and then six months in a body cast. Wow. Yeah, which means you know she would have been a year and a half going on two years old and still not able to walk or anything. You know, uh, and yet. You know, God healed her, and now she's awesome. you know she's an athlete. She was she played soccer for you know several years. She was the fastest kid out there. She's you know plays basketball, runs up and down. The you know That's God awesome. God gave her supernatural hips. You know, so wow. uh, that was an instant healing. You know, but I've seen God also. Uh, you know, people have had to walk out their healing as well. It's not some, for some people. It's not instant. I you know yeah, uh, all of it is God's purpose. You know, but. That that leads me actually to a, uh, another question: When when God doesn't move on our prayers, like do, what what does it mean? Does it mean that I don't have enough faith? No, not at all. Uh, I I think we're always to believe and trust God. Uh, but faith, you know, unfortunately, when we preach faith, you know, folks can get misconstrued that oh, all I have to do is have faith and God's going to move in this situation, and we in our minds we think He's going to move the way that we think He should move. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll move in the situation, but he's going to move according to his plan. And sometimes his plan doesn't line up with our will, mm-hmm. but that's where faith still comes in mm-hmm. by faith. You say, you know what, Lord, I'm not having fun with this man, I, you know, but, but I trust you. I, you know, Lord, I wish you know, I, I would love for you to heal me, or I would love for you to move in this situation in this particular way. Obviously you're not. So uh-huh. you must have a bigger plan Even though I don't understand it, I trust you. Yeah. And so I'm going to rest in that trust. Um, you know, I have faith for God to heal or for God to deliver or for God to do anything miraculous. Uh, 
and and that's how I start any prayer, you know, from any situation I may have, or if I wind up praying for you or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as time goes on, I still try. I have enough faith to trust him, even if he doesn't do it the way that yeah. I think he should do it. Yeah, and and do it the way that I've even prayed for him to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, he's not Santa Claus. You don't just give him a list of mm. this is what I want because it's really not about what you want. Is you know, not my will, but thine. Yes. I will be done, you know. So, so yeah. no. If if God doesn't move in a situation the way that you thought He should move, it doesn't mean that you lack faith. You had enough faith to go to Him. Yeah. Uh, it just means that you you know you you get to grow and mm-hmm. and say, all right, Lord, uh, I trust you. I don't know why you're doing it this way. I don't know why we're taking this path. Yeah. But that's okay. I still trust you. Yeah. You know, and that's so. Good. So sometimes the question doesn't need to be why haven't you answered my prayer? It's what am I, what am I supposed to learn about the path you have me on? How what how am I supposed to grow from this? You know? That's good. So that's a good question. What what am I supposed to learn in this path? That's really good. I did actually prepare some question for Shavuot itself. Shavuot. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Um, so Shavuot is a Jewish fe- uh, feast. Um, yes. And just generally about Jewish feasts, how can I imagine Jewish feasts? Like, especially compared to our modern day Western holidays, we have this particular view of how they look like. What does it look like for, for a Jew in the first century celebrating a feast? Um, and, and for the Jews, the early Jews, it, typically it would last a week. You know, like when mm. they partied, man, they would party for a week. Uh, even if you were getting married, man, it wasn't just ooh, I got you know, we got a, a rehearsal dinner and then we got the wedding. I mean, they would, they would party for a week, and uh, uh, so so with the feasts, the feasts were no different. Typically, they would be the the three main feasts. Uh, now they had other feasts that they uh-huh. would do, but the three main feast was uh, Passover, uh-huh. and then Shavuot, uh-huh. and then you had the feast of uh, tabernacles or tents or. Uh, shelter. Yeah, sometimes it was called tabernacles mm-hmm. or booths or shelters or tents, mm-hmm. uh, and all of them would last uh, about a week. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and and there would be lots of food. Uh, there, there would be certain types of food. Um, it would it would revolve around the Sabbath. It would start off like the day, typically the day after the Sabbath. So you would have Saturday rest, and then the next day would officially kick which, off. Which Sabbath feast. starts, because in Jewish tradition, the day fin- it begins at sundown. Yes, yeah, and it's Friday at sundown. Yes, yeah. that's, that's when the new day begins. Yes. Not like our arbitrary in the middle of the night, that's the yes. new day. <laughs> yeah, and, and they had a lunar calendar where, where ours is uh, solar-based, right? Or is it lunar-based? Yes, I think so. Yeah, around around the sun. Yes, yeah, ours is based around the sun. Well, theirs was based around the moon. Yeah. uh, Which was actually interesting, you know, because it was, uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, our our start, you know, we we typically say, okay, the day starts with when we wake up, Mm -hmm. you know, so get up, get yourself up, get to work, hurry. Uh Well, theirs was lunar based. So Uh the day actually ended with work, but it started with rest. Oh. You know. So, so at nighttime, you know, like most of us say, our day, our day began at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever. Well, no, uh, you know, for them it was, no, we, we went to bed. So we started the day out resting, you know, uh, doesn't so. even in Genesis, just thinking about, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, but doesn't even Genesis at first say it, it becomes 
night and then it becomes day and even in Genesis it follows that same yeah, yeah. order. Yes, it's very cyclical that way. That, that That's very interesting. So it is uh, a week long. Yes, the feast would be about a week long. It starts at Sabbath. Typically it would start at Sabbath, but it would officially get going like the day the day after Sabbath. And uh, all three of the, those main feasts actually revolved around harvests. Harvest, okay. So so you had the spring harvest, which would start with Passover, mm -hmm. which was also called first fruits, because mm -hmm. that would start at the beginning of the uh, grain harvests. Okay. So you, you're just coming out of the winter months, and, and you've you've planted these grains late in the fall. Uh-huh. They've all of a sudden, you know, they've just dated, and they're starting to come up in the spring. Okay. And so you would start out with uh, grain harvest, and, and particularly barley at the top of Passover, and during that, that week, you're celebrating the fact that, hey, we're, we're starting to get some grain, okay. you know, and, and God has provided for us. Uh, so you and, only get barley at that time, or yeah, do you already start to get wheat? No, no, you start, it's barley. Wheat's not ready yet. Okay. And so, and so what, what they would start out with Passover uh, to commemorate the deliverance from slavery from Egypt and mm -hmm. into becoming their own nation that God delivered them Mm -hmm. and, and carried them by his own hand, uh, and then and then you would have uh, harvest uh, harvest the, the the barley, which would be provision, and it was the first fruits, mm -hmm. meaning hey, we're going to have more grain, but this is the first of it, and, yeah. and so and it's the first fruit in that whole season and the whole yes, year. Yes, so that's correct. so barley is the very first thing that you yes, harvest. And, and they would start according to there was the month of Abib which is the first month for the Jews. So in the first month okay, of the yes. year, mm -hmm. they're actually getting a harvest. God's providing for them right at the top of the year Oh, that's for, for them, for their lunar calendar. So it actually, their year actually ends almost in like a non-harvest period. Yes. Yeah. Like, hey, we finished out the year. Now we need we we need food for the year. Yeah. And God says, hey, it's a new year. I'm providing for you, you know. So that's that's kind that's, of a cool. That's beautiful. Then they would, uh, they would harvest barley for seven weeks. And then Shavuot would take place, which mm -hmm. uh, is 50 days after Passover. Fe uh, Feast of Weeks. And it's, yes, Shavuot means weeks. Uh, so it'd be the Feast of Weeks because they're, they're, hey, we're feasting again. It's been seven weeks. Seven, ironically, is uh, the number of completion. Mm -hmm. You know, on the seventh day, God rested yeah. from his works. Uh, so his creation was completed. Uh, you know, all throughout the Bible, if you see the number seven, it's the it's the number of God, the number of wholeness, the number of completion. Mm -hmm. So, uh, they really God really likes to put the repetition. Yes, into the yeah, Bible. he, he to really to really bring the point home what he's meaning. He really yeah, likes the repetition, uh, right? Patternology in the Bible is very fascinating. Yeah, certain certain numbers and and models and and patterns that that you find is is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, uh, Shavuot means weeks. Now, in the Greek, by the time uh, the New Testament was taking place, uh, most of the world spoke Greek as the common language. And so uh, uh, the word was Pentecost, mm -hmm. and, and it was Shavuot, it, you know, where the, the Hebrews called it Shavuot for the Feast of Weeks. Uh, the modern-day Hebrew at the time would call it Pentecost mm -hmm. in Greek, which means 50. Yeah. Uh, so it just means, that, yeah, it's been 50 days from... Uh, as as directed in Leviticus, yeah, uh, you know, past uh, the the Passover or, or you know, fifty days, yeah, since we ate the Passover lamb, yeah. So, and then the, that would start 
another week of celebration. And at this point, you're harvesting wheat. Uh-huh. Uh, the next celebration would be in the fall, and it was uh, the Feast of Tabernacles or yeah. Tents or Booths. Um, and, and that would commemorate. Now, now, first of all, Shavuot would commemorate the giving of the Torah. So, so yes. you, have, you have first fruits, which commemorated Passover. Yeah. Uh, and then Shavuot commemorated the giving of the Torah, uh, the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And you said they were waving the bread. So in, so in Passover, they were waving the bread. Yeah, Passover, they would, they would yeah, Passover uh, or the, the Sunday, the two-day, Friday night would be the Passover meal. That Sunday, they would wave um, their first fruits offering before the Lord, which would be they'd clip off a bundle of barley and uh-huh. wave it. Shavuot. Does it every family do that, or does it like the priest? They would in representation of. Yeah, them? yeah, they would take it to the priest, okay. and, and the priest would. It, it would be you know someone would clip off, a, a, you know a bundle and take it to the priest, and then the priest would offer it to the Lord as a, as do, a do, as does, an offering. Does it does it just happen in Jerusalem, or does it happen like all over? The place? That's a good question. I haven't done, I I didn't dive into that. Okay, but that's a good question. So if yeah. you're listening. Google it. Let's find out. Yes. Let us know. Because uh, we don't have all the answers either, but we can always give responses. That's right. I know it's hard to believe. I, I assume David Lampert has all the answers, uh, uh, but but he doesn't. So. I'm just learning <laughs> as you are. Just learning as you are. Uh, so, uh, yeah, at Shavuot, 50 days later, the they wave uh, bread. They, they actually make two loaves of bread. And uh, they waive that as an offering. So that so that would be that seems a tiny bit more lengthy then because then they would, t- is it right that they take the first bit of wheat that they harvest and then then they making that into the bread? Yes, it's and, and they call it. They said choice wheat uh, at that. It it was like, you know, it wasn't like leftover wheat or anything. And it needs to be the best. Of yeah, the best. yeah. They would make flour four quarts. It says make two loaves of bread. And add yeast to it. Where, yeah, that was with Passover. You couldn't have any yeast. As a matter of fact, they said throw all the yeast out of the house. Mm-hmm. They didn't even want it in the house. And uh, so that week, they would just eat bread, uh, flat bread. Uh-huh. Uh, it wouldn't have any yeast or leaven in it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, for Shavuot, there would be big old loaves of yeasty bread. Yeah. And wonderful carbohydrates. Yeah. Uh, but they would they would wave that before the Lord. Those two. So they would wave that bread, and then again after they've waved it. F- front of God's kind of is it like a blessing kind of thing asking for a blessing or? yeah it, well it, it was an offering to or the Lord they thankful. would give it to the Lord yeah it was it was almost like a tithe okay you know it's the first fruits it's yeah. hey here's our first clipping of barley and we wave it to you we give it to you Lord because uh, we trust hey we can give this portion up it's uh-huh. just like giving a tie, you know, 10%. Uh-huh. 10% you, God said, hey, if you'll give me 10%, I'll act like you gave me the whole paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you give it to the Lord, say, Lord, thank you for your provision. And man, I know you're going to provide for me. And then from then on, they would house the rest of the wheat. Yes. Yeah. So they Af- would, after the festival, though, right? Not during the festival? Well, they no, they could start harvesting that week. Okay. But but they would, because uh, they, would, they would start basically uh, on, uh, they would count seven Sabbaths. Uh-huh. And and so there would there would be a little bit of you know they'd prep some food just prior to that Sabbath, but then they would on that Sunday, uh, that seventh Sunday afterwards is when they would, you know they'd get to work and they'd yeah. start harvesting, but yeah. they would make a party out of it. You know? Okay. So uh, you know as the men are out harvesting and whatnot, then 
yeah, there's lots of food and everything else for for a week. It, it was very festive. So. so is it is it like they they're working over the day and then during the night they all come together? They're yes. celebrating. Yeah, that would be very drinking common. drinks and stuff. Yeah. Is it like family based? Everybody in the family, or would they like family like it was, go around? It would be stuff? both. It would it would be uh, communal. I I think probably at the top of the week there would probably be more of a community type meal, mm -hmm. uh, and then afterwards it would be very family based. You know, and then they would actually read. Um, you know, as as history, you know, it would continue to take place. Eventually, it would become tradition. Uh, even to the to this day, the Jews that still acknowledge Shavuot, which ironically, uh, they got away from actually celebrating that. They they'll all you know, typically the Jews that are halfway religious would celebrate Passover, but mm -hmm. um, you know, Shavuot became just kind of a minor feast over the years. But it's there's actually kind of a new interest in Shavuot amongst mm. the Jewish communities, which I think is ironic because I really believe that there's an incredible revival taking place in the Jews. Yeah, uh, More Jews are actually starting to come to an understanding of who Christ is, that he is the Messiah, that yeah. he came for them. And uh, so I believe that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's taking place. So it's ironic that simultaneously the Jews are starting to become interested in Shavuot again. Yes. Um, but, but the... Uh, You know, and, and so it's it was common for them to read the Ten Commandments in the Book of Ruth. The Book mm -hmm. of Ruth takes place uh, at the wheat harvest. Yeah. So so that was actually really cool. And, and what's cool now, like matter of fact, I was reading in First Samuel um, uh, this morning, uh, kind of doing my one year Bible, and they had mentioned something about the wheat harvest. And even now, I was like, oh, this happened during Shavuot. You That's know, so interesting. That was really cool. Uh, uh, so so you mentioned that with that they would read Ruth. Uh, doing Shavuot, and I was wondering, being a Jew, reading the book of Ruth during Shavuot, what am I supposed to get out of it? The, well, you, there's, you know, of course there's the beautiful story of, of Ruth, mm -hmm. uh, who was Naomi's daughter-in-law, uh, the the husband, or the you know, Naomi's, son, Naomi's son, Ruth's mm -hmm. husband, had, had died, and so Ruth loved Naomi so much that she returned back to her homeland, they were poor they were both widows um and so there was no way for them to make a living for themselves so ruth goes to glean in the field of boaz mm -hmm. and that's that's really important because that actually ties in with leviticus 23 uh all the way back to you know before the jews entered into the promised land leviticus 23 22 says when you harvest the crops talking uh -huh. about it uh, when they're harvesting wheat at shavuot When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along mm. the edges. So don't harvest the wheat that's along the edges of the uh -huh. field. And don't pick up the whatever the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living amongst you. I am the Lord your God. So what a, what a beautiful scripture because the only reason why we get blessed in life is so that we can be a blessing. Mm. And so God was saying, look, I'm, I'm, about, I'm going to be blessing you guys with wonderful crops yeah just you're 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 gonna have you're about to go into the land of milk and honey the land of prosperity yeah. i am gonna give you lots of crops but hey leave some out there on the edges of the field so that the poor and and notice he and said foreigners yeah the poor and the foreigners notice notice that they don't even have to come into the main field where the workers are yeah. because they probably feel embarrassed yeah you know they're poor they're beggars basically they don't yes. have 
So yeah, and they just, would go along uh, along the outside yeah, where probably the roads were or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're probably close to the road, and then yeah. they could go to the edge and and get what they needed. Yeah, and and still keep their dignity, you know. And then and not only that, and they, I think it's they could go behind the harvester if, if the harvesters wound up dropping or the the, the term in the Old Testament or in, in King James would be if they gleaned it or if okay. they dropped it. Uh-huh. That's why Ruth went to glean in the field. In other words, she went to go pick up what was dropped. Yeah. Well, you know, they can do that behind the harvesters. They don't have to go up in the middle of the harvesters. Yeah. You know, where, where they're going to be embarrassed. Yeah. You know, it's it's like, hey, no, we provide it for you. And, and so it's, it's a beautiful thought that the Lord said, hey, I'm going to bless you with abundance, so much abundance that you're going to have enough to take care of the poor yes. and take care of foreigners. And the reason why he kept telling them over and over to take care of foreigners is, Hey, there was a time you were foreigners in the land they of Egypt. They literally just came out of Egypt. They yes. were foreigners. Yeah. And so it so it was teaching you not to look down yes. on foreigners, which really says a lot about I know there's a lot of political unrest and opinions about um, these undocumented immigrants, uh, you know, whether you want to call them that or illegal aliens or whatever that are that are forming at the border. You know, and folks are upset that, you know, there's a lot of adults that are dropping their kids off at the border. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't know what the plight, you know, if we were in their situation and we knew, hey, just a few miles up the road, I can sneak my kid across the border and mm-hmm. he may actually be taken care of. When I, you know, who knows what we would do. But but the point is to remove politics, you know, let let the politicians deal with the politics. Yeah. But but we as believers uh, in no way have the right to look down on any foreigner mm-hmm. in our land. Uh, it, it's you know because the Lord provides for us. Yeah, there there's got to be a way. I don't I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be a way and a solution uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, you know. So so anyways, all of that yeah. is based on Leviticus twenty three twenty two. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. So when I read the book of Ruth, it's like because then also um, Ruth was provided a husband, which is Boaz. Yes, he so, was he was the kinsman redeemer yes. because uh, he was a close relative to Ruth's deceased husband. Yes, and Naomi's, you know, which would have been Ruth's father-in-law, Naomi's deceased husband. He was a close relative. There was actually one guy who was closer, a closer relative, an older gentleman in the in the city. So Boaz went to him when he realized that Ruth was saying, "Hey, you know who I am. You can mm-hmm. marry me." And Boaz was, you know, Ruth was a beautiful young woman, and Boaz was a little bit older in age, mm-hmm. and he thought, whoa, man, hey, this is, God's got something up here, this is great. So he he said, there's one more guy who's who's uh, a closer relative, let me go check to see. And he, yeah. so he went and asked the guy, it was kind of cool, though, he was sneaky the way he did, he went to the gate, <laughs> the gates of the city where the elders met, and he said, hey, you know, Naomi has brought Ruth back, and you know, uh, Naomi's husband is a close relative, was a close relative of, of yours. Would you like to, you know, uh, inherit his land? Yeah. And the guy said, well, yeah, yeah, I think I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll purchase the land. He goes, okay, because I would like to do it, but you're closer, so you can do it if you want. The guy said, yeah, absolutely. And he goes, well, but you do realize in order to do that, you've also got to marry Ruth uh-huh. and give her a son so that you know, her husband's name can continue. Yeah. And apparently that guy had second thoughts, thinking, "Man, because <laughs> he it was in the Bible." He said, "Oh, hey, that's going to mess up my own lineage." Oh, okay. in other words, yeah, he basically saying, "Oh, man, my wife would kill me if I did that. If I brought that young thing into the house, you know." <laughs> so, so sacrificing his own lineage, but that actually ends up being the lineage of 
Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's what's funny is is uh, so that guy kind of said, "Nah, you can take it," you know. And so yeah. Boaz made the the transaction and eventually marries Ruth. Uh, so Ruth all of a sudden gets redeemed. Yeah, you know, she's a she's a widow, which is not a good place to be. Yeah, and and yet this kinsman redeemer comes and redeems her, makes her a wife, gives her dignity yeah. again, and not only that, gives her children, which you said, yeah. you know, becomes directly part of the lineage of Jesus. Yeah, which which they say at that point, they mention it as the lineage of David, because yes. that David is, I think, just a few generations after Ruth. Yeah, he's and like, then we know all know that Jesus is of the lineage of David. So yes. Both he has to be. Also Absolutely. So, so, uh, and, and so, so that beautiful story takes place with the backdrop of Shavuot or the wheat harvest. Yeah. But ironically, Jesus is considered our kinsman redeemer because we are the bride of mm. Christ and he has redeemed us. Yeah. Uh, so he was our kinsman redeemer. That's so, so, so that whole story is really just a foreshadowing of Christ. You know, Ruth being, I mean, especially us being Gentiles, yeah. we're, we're grafted into the promise of Abraham. We're grafted into being God's chosen people. You know, well, Ruth was not, she wasn't a Jew. Yeah. And she was a foreigner. And yet here she's being redeemed. Yes. And we were foreigners, you know, spiritually, we were Gentiles. And yet Christ has redeemed us, brought us into the family. That's be beautiful. So out of Ruth as a Jew, I would take that God provides and also the task for us to also provide for others by leaving the yes. crops out. So it's yes. not just, oh, we get blessed, but it's actually also a responsibility to bless others. Yes. But then the whole concept of actually God wants to redeem the Israel, and the, which he constantly does. Yes. But then he yeah. ultimately wants to put a final statement, I'm going to redeem you through Jesus Christ, which they, they wouldn't have known at that time yet. No, no. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, you can go read the book of Romans, and Paul asked the question, you know, hey, you know, he, he said, man, I, I pray for my people so much. And he, he said, matter of fact, I, I would, I would sacrifice my own soul if it meant mm. that there's, that they could come to a saving knowledge of yeah. Christ. You know, he, he was so heartbroken over his people, but he, he said, has God given up on, on his, does this mean that God's given up on his people? And he said, no, absolutely not. He's going to, he's going to remain true and, yeah. he, and he's going to still call him for. So, so that's the beautiful hope that that story just isn't for us, the Gentiles, that story is still, you know, he, he, he wants to redeem and save Israel as well. He still loves his that's people. Beautiful. So, uh, you know, what, you know, just what a faithful God that we serve. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think this, this is almost like a really good point to finish. I do have one last question out of curiosity. Yes. What your take is, uh, it is from first Corinthians 15 verse 23, which you read during your sermon. And actually at the very end, it finishes off with, um, that those that are Christ will be resurrected at his coming, which yes. I think refers at the second coming when Jesus comes back. Yes. That sounds like, again, different worldviews. We as a modern Western, we have almost this worldview, oh, one day our soul is going to heaven and there we're going to get a new body. But I feel like the way that I'm reading the Bible, the Jews had a completely different worldview. Yeah, they, they've got... Um, so there was a lot more focus on the resurrection of the body. Yes, yeah. Well, well even here, what's funny is as controversial as it is within Western Christianity is... Okay, is this just talking about a spiritual resurrection? Mm -hmm. Which, which we, 
our salvation is a spiritual resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. But, but also, you know, per the word of God, there is a, a second coming of Christ that there is a physical, you know, when you read this and other scriptures, there's a physical resurrection that, that they, that, that can be gleaned from this as well. And so of course you've got two different camps or multiple different camps that yeah. believe whatever. You know, I, I, personally subscribe to the fact that I I believe that there will be a resur- a true mm-hmm. resurrection of the dead. Yeah. And um you know when uh, at the second coming of Christ and I very much believe in the second coming of Christ. Yeah. Um you know and, and of course that's a whole other podcast yes. for us to go down that road. But what's funny is it was equally just as controversial back then you had separate camps. You had yes. the, you had the Pharisees mm-hmm. who very much believed in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, but then the Sadducees. But the Sadducees did not believe in yes. the resurrection. Matter of fact, the Sadducees were were more um, ecclesiastical, if you will, as far as uh, the the way that they pessimistic. Uh, they they were they their their main text that they would subscribe to, and I would say it, but I'd probably butcher the name of it, uh, like Shakat or something like that. Uh, so any Hebrew scholars out there, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> It, it was more uh, ecclesiastical as far as like, you know, you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's more of a book of wisdom. And so so it was more mm-hmm. morality-based, uh, philosophical, and, you know, good, wise words to live by. But, okay. but they, uh, now some, some folks said that they did believe in uh, Sheol, which would be the, the place of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, now later, in, in, as time went on, Sheol... Uh, like especially when Greeks started, uh, uh, when when early text started being interpreted into Greek, Sheol you know started being associated with Hades, which was the Greek place of the dead, uh, and then eventually eventually the philosophy was Sheol or Hades was the place for the unrighteous dead, where paradise mm. would be for the righteous dead. So I mean you you but get into rent- all kind of stuff. But going back to the resurrection, you know back then you had. Uh, the Pharisees, mm-hmm. uh, who were very much yes, there is going to be a resurrection. Sadducees that was saying no, there wouldn't mm-hmm. be. Uh, but you can you can actually see that early Christians, especially Paul, uh, were coming from more of the the sect of the of the Pharisees, mm-hmm. um, which met, Paul himself was. A Pharisee. Yeah, he was a matter of fact. Paul used it to his advantage when he was on trial in the yes. Book of Acts. You know, he basically <laughs> to kind of buy himself some more time. You know, you, he was standing in, in front of the Sanhedrin Council, which was made up of all kind of Jewish sects, and he said, "Hey, I'm on trial here because I believe in the resurrection of the dead." And of course, the Pharisees are like, "What? We believe in that!" You know, and so there was a big argument. You know, it was pretty clever of, of Paul, you know, being yes. able to do that. And he wasn't lying. He believed very much in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and yes. that he was, as he said here in First Corinthians 23. That that uh, Christ was the first fruits of those who yes. would be resurrected, you know, which would fit very beautifully in if he's the first one to be resurrected. Yeah, that then eventually he'll harvest both spiritually. He's harvesting us spiritual resurrection and physi- but, yeah, but then a physical yeah. resurrection as well. Yeah, absolutely. That would, that would fit in very well. If, That's well, and, yeah. and you know, if you study dispensationalism, and you know, of course. You know, whether you, you know, how, however you subscribe to the rapture of the church, or if you do or not, you know there is reference to reference to uh, that there will be a resurrection, and then those who are alive and remain will be caught up with Christ to meet him yeah. in the air. You know, so so uh, 
you know, if, you, if you've already passed, you know, if you subscribe to that, if you've passed and you were a believer, uh, you're going you're gonna to be resurrected with glorified bodies. If you're mm-hmm. still alive at the coming second coming of Jesus, then you'll be caught away, uh, you know, uh, and glorified at that point or whatever, you know. So yeah. uh, then again, yeah, you know, of course, folks debate over all that, but who knows? All I know is... Hey, let's keep living for Jesus, and and however He chooses to end this thing, man, we're gonna. We'll be right figure there it with out him. soon enough. That's right. We're gonna be with Him. We're gonna be with Him. It's not worth debating over anything. It's but. just an interesting question that like that kind of caught my eye in First Corinthians, but I think going back and finishing up, like the whole feast of weeks, um, Shavuot, like what we're supposed to take out. God is our provider. He's, he wants us to provide, but he's also our kinsman redeemer. He is the one that wants to redeem us, bring us back into the lineage, saying yes. that we're his children. He's he's gonna he's gonna provide for us. He's our kinsman redeemer, and not only that, he has he has played, He's given us his word and his law. You know, Shavuot was a celebration mm-hmm. of the giving of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Well, on the actual day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts, or Shavuot yeah. in the second chapter of Acts. God placed his law yeah. in the hearts of men to where, uh, via the Holy Spirit, which goes back to a prophecy in Jeremiah, uh, where Jeremiah said, hey, in, in this this new covenant, I'm going to place my law deep in their hearts. Mm. Well, he does so with the Holy Spirit. And and uh, that's the beautiful thing about it. We'll, we'll talk about it some this coming Sunday. But, uh, you know, we, we baptize people with water, just like John the Baptist. Yeah. You know, we baptize them into Christ with water. But Christ... Is he baptizes as well, yes. but he baptizes us with the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So, so uh, when when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you uh, it's a very personal thing. You have been baptized or buried into the Spirit of God. Uh, in other words, you disappear when you're buried. You disappear, mm-hmm. you know, and so you start finding as you walk with the Holy Spirit, you're going to disappear. Uh, there's going to be a lot less you and a lot more God. That's beautiful. That takes place, you know, which yeah. is exactly what John says. Yes. Yeah. More of you, less of me. Yes. Absolutely. Which does not mean less of humanity. It actually means more of humanity because God is fully human and has created us in his image. Yes. It's just it's the perfection of humanity, yes. if you will. So, yeah. That's we're, beautiful. Uh, uh, we, we are human beings, but yeah. we actually get to know how to be human. Fully human. Image. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Made yeah. in his image. Awesome. Do you want to press out, Pastor Dave? Let's, let's do it. Father, I love you with all my heart. Uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, hopefully this, all this talk that David and I have been doing, hopefully it makes sense to somebody, yeah. and and hopefully it's, it's spoken life, and and maybe sparked an interest to dive into your word. Uh, Jesus, you said if we abide in your word, that we'll become your disciples, and that we'll know the truth, and that truth is going to set us free. So, Lord, I pray that we all start walking in a lot more freedom, and a lot more love. And, and let it happen because we have uh, we, we have decided to stay in your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you bless each and every one who's listening today. And uh, Lord, just uh, get us ready for this coming weekend, Pentecost Sunday. I don't know what you got in store, but I know it's going to be good because you're going to be right in the middle of it. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you guys next week. Yes, sir.